All right. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, <clears throat> little Rose, the one that just sang, she, she, she appears to be a sweet little... <laughs> but when you get to know her, she is a pistol. Right? First <laughs> Corinthians in chapter 13, we'll be there in a minute, but as I <clears throat> spent time over the last several weeks thinking about Mother's Day, um, because, you know, it's one of these annual things that comes around and I spent some time pondering and thinking about Mother's Day and <clears throat> I, I, I contemplated the difference between a mom and a mother. And <clears throat> I spent a lot of time thinking on it and, and praying about it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my definition of 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 a mom and a mother okay um, and I have no scientist scientific proof to prove my case but I think most people would agree with me a mom is a person that gives life to a child a mother is a person who gives her life to raising that child A mother is a person who is willing to accept burdens and responsibilities, broken hearts, share times of joy, times of sorrow. That's what a mother does. A mother takes a life commitment of hard work, worry, anxiety, happiness, joy. A mother will oftentimes forfeit many of her own desires and wishes to be able to fulfill those things in their children. She does this out of love not obligation. So, if my definition is correct, and I, I believe it to be correct, then any woman could be a mother. In reality, a mother is the person who impacts a life. And as I... As I <clears throat> contemplated this this over the last couple of weeks. I my mind went back many times to Rosemary. Those of you that that knew Rosemary know she used to sit right over here and bug me. <laughs> she would she would she yeah she would correct all my grammatical errors um, and there's many. <laughs> 
but she, <clears throat> she, uh, she, she died about a year ago, uh, 92 years old. And I don't know if you know this or not, but she, she was a teacher uh, for the majority of her adult life. In fact, she was still substituting in her 80s. Uh, that when the Lyon County School District needed a sub, she would pack up and go in. I'm like, are you kidding? You're retired. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I enjoyed about Rosemary is is being able to go by and, and talk to her and Tony. And, and uh, she would tell me stories of the lives of young people that she was able to impact and lives of young people that, um, you, you know, later in life, because of the Internet, I guess, I don't know how they would find her, but they would find her, and they would communicate to her the impact that she had had in, in their lives. Listening to her tell these stories of the hundreds, if not thousands, of young people that she impacted, made me realize that physical ability does not make a mother. So on this Mother's Day, celebrate the women that have poured into your life. Because that, that's really what a mother is, is it not? And... <clears throat> Thank a mother. Thank a woman that has poured into you. You know, and I say this with all sincerity. <clears throat> there is a big difference, and and I believe it's God ordained. There's a big difference between women that have influence in lives and men that have influence in lives. Now, I believe men can have great influence, but I believe that women can have far greater influence. Yes, Proverbs 31 is a great example. So this afternoon, as as you, uh, hopefully, if you haven't already, uh, call your mom if she's still here. <clears throat> Thank her. But think about some of the other women in your life that have poured into you. And give them a call, too, if you can. Because... Really, I personal opinion, I kind of think that that's what Mother's Day is really all about. As I was thinking about Mother's Day this, this year, <clears throat> I thought about a single characteristic that stands out in the life of a godly mother uh, in scripture all the I started thinking about all the women in scripture that we would class that we would put in the category as godly mothers and I, I started thinking about it, I thought what is the one thing that they all have in common and the the word that I came up with was balance they all had balance in their lives so this morning, the, the title of my message is Living a Balanced Life. 
and <clears throat> you know it, 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 it's a very simple message this morning probably nothing you're probably going to sit there and and, and think in your mind, well, they, I, I really did not learn anything new this morning. And, and that may be true. I, I don't know. But if nothing else, I want to remind us the need to live a balanced life. Because we can very, very easily get out of balance, can we not? We can allow the influences of the world to dictate to us how we live. And, and, and periodically, we need to recenter our lives if you would and and refocus on the things of God <clears throat> even though mother's day uh prompted the the thinking of this message in in the development of this message it really has nothing to do with mother's day so <laughs> sorry about that um <clears throat> But we all struggle with balance in our lives. It is something that every one of us struggles with. And we typically struggle between two things. We, dis we struggle between love and truth. Love and truth. Now, I want to define out of the, the, the dictionary. I want to give you the di dictionary's de de definition of love and truth. Love, a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person, a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as for a parent, child, or friend. Truth, the, the, the truth or actual state of a matter, a verified or uh, in, uh, uh, indisputable fact, position, principle, or the like. In other words, to, to simplify the definition of love and truth is love is a feeling. Truth is a fact. Now let me ask you a question. Is one of the characteristics of God love? Absolutely it is. Another question. Is one of the characteristics of God truth? Absolutely it is. So then how does, how does God exhibit love and truth? He does it in various ways, but in a very simplistic way is balance. See, <clears throat> we all tend to lean one direction or the other. It is, it is how God made us. Some of us tend to lean toward love. Some of us tend to lean toward truth. There are some that are only love, and there are some that are only truth. Now, <clears throat> let me describe to you the person who lives in the only love category. Okay? This is the person who sees nothing as black and white. Everything is gray. 
You follow me? And there are a lot of people alive today, and some sitting right here this morning, who live in this world. Everything is gray. The person who lives in truth is the person that sees everything as black and white. So there are many of us who have developed in our lives, in, in the balance of their Christian lives, a combination of both of these. But we all tend to lean toward one or the other. And, and you all know who you are. The people who, who live in truth uh, are very, uh, generally are very opinionated and have strong feelings about one thing or another. And the person who lives over here in love is the individual who just wants to get along with everybody and not make any waves. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I won't tell you in, our, in my wife and I's relationship who is what. <clears throat> Those of you that know us know. But what, what do they say? Opposites attract, right? Why, why is that? You, you need both, Okay. Uh, the, the reality is this. My wife and I are as different as night and day. But the areas in which she is not strong in are the areas that I'm strong in and, and vice versa. And what do we do? What does, the, what does the Bible describe in marriage? When, a, when two people get married, what do they do? They complete one another. So what is... In, 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 in essence, it is a picture of balance, is it not? But apart from that, we need balance in our lives. Why? Because if we, if we tend to go one way or the other, <clears throat> then we are, we are going to be missing out on some very precious promises from God. So balance is an important part of our lives. So number one, <clears throat> let's look at the value of love. The value of love. First Corinthians. Well, before we do that, let's just read First Corinthians chapter 13. Let's start reading in verse one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity or love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoice 
rejoiceth not in, 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 in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. <clears throat> thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at this very, very important subject of balance, I ask that you would give me clarity of thought as, as I do my, my best to share what you put on my heart. And Lord, I, I ask that you would guide and direct in our thinking, that you would help us to see our need for balance in our lives. I'm so thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The value of love. You know, I don't. I, I hope and I, I hope and pray that as as I as I talk this morning, as I as I share my heart with you this morning, because because really that's what this message is really about. It, it is something that it, it is a burden on my heart that that through through all the contemplation with Mother's Day and everything that I've gone through over the last several weeks, this is kind of the the culmination of what God did in my heart. And I just felt like he wanted me to share that this morning. So this is really not a, a sermon of sorts. It's more of just me sharing my heart this morning. But as I contemplated the the, the value of love and, and, and as, as, again, as I share my heart this morning please please understand that i am not diminishing love or truth in any way shape or form these are two very important things these are both uh, attributes or characteristics of god that we need in our lives but i want you to go back to verses one through three and i want you to Listen to these words because these words are, are important. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity or love, I have become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, I'm just making noise. If love is not a part of my life, then I'm just making noise. In verse 2, it says, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could uh, remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? Nothing. Verse 3, And though I, I bestow <clears throat> all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. No matter what spiritual gift we have, when, a, when, a, when an individual gets, gets saved, God gives all of us spiritual gifts. And basically what Paul is saying here in the first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is no matter what your spiritual gift is, if if it, if it does not have love embedded in it, then it's absolutely worthless. You can, you can 
do anything. You can, you can give your money to the poor, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You can do all of this stuff, but if you don't do it for love, then it's just worthless. Three times in the Bible, Paul compares the church to a human body. Let me give you an example. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 to 18, says, For the body is, is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the head, I am not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. Uh, excuse me, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Uh, is it not... Is it therefore not of the body? Uh, If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God set the members, every one of them, in a body as it hath pleased him. In this passage, there is an underlying principle here of love and cooperation. Now, <clears throat> as all of us know, we have gone through a an unusual season over the last year and a half, or, or whatever, about the last year or so. We we have been in, a, in an unusual season in in not only in our country but in our in the world. And we've probably learned more about viruses and diseases and things than we've ever known before or really even cared to know before. If nothing else, the only good thing that, you know, well, there's been a few good things come out of this, but, you know, people wash their hands more, okay? So germs are passed, okay? We get that. But what happens when our bodies are invaded by a, a, an almost invisible bug? It affects the entire body, does it not? It, it infects the entire body. And the, the line of cooperation is severed. And we start having difficulties physically. And the description that Paul gives us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a body that is working properly. There is an underlying principle of love and cooperation. And the picture here is the same thing for the church. When the church is healthy, when the church is working properly, there is an underlying principle of love and cooperation. He continues in chapter 12, verses 25 and 26. He says uh, that there should uh, be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another, whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Again, that cooperation and love that takes place. Just as an almost invisible bug can, can... can kill or, or hurt someone really, really bad. Their entire body is affected. The same thing should happen in, the, in a church. When somebody 
is hurting, we should all hurt with them. That's what love and cooperation does. It has well been said that love is the circulatory system of the body of Christ. Without love, a church would have a hard time functioning. Richard Halverson said this, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, and perfect. And that is exactly the kind of love that we need for one another in our church. When one hurts, we all should hurt. Love is a choice that we make. Look at verse 3. This is an interesting perspective here I, I, I want to share with you. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13. <clears throat> it says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. See, you have to understand what that statement is. This statement was being made to in the first century church and in the Jewish law, they were, they were, if a person were to give 20% of their income to the poor, it would equal giving all of their income. Does that, does that make sense? I don't know. It's, it's a little weird, but it's not, it's not how we think, but basically what Paul's saying here is if you gave 20% of your income, which is a lot of money, if you gave 20% of your income to feed the poor and you don't have love, then it's just a waste of money. That's an interesting statement. Then he goes on. He says, oh, no, I give my body to be burned. What was he referring to there? He was, what, what, was, what was prevalent in the first century church? Persecution, mar, mar, martyrs. And what he's saying here is, you know, you could, you could voluntarily be a martyr for the name of Jesus Christ. And if you don't do it in love, then you just, you just committed suicide for no reason. You, you, you went through all that torture, all that, that for, for no reason. And though I give my, or, or excuse me, the next phrase, and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. What motivates you to do what you do? And 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 I guess I guess in a sense those of you that are that are uh, fall into the category of mother that I talked about earlier, why do you pour your life into someone else? Hopefully, because you love them, not because you're trying to to earn any favor with God. See, it, it all boils down to why. Why do you do what you do? Let me ask you another question. Don't answer this uh, out loud. Answer it in your head. 
why are you even here this morning? Are you here because of love or of truth? Out of obligation or love? I hope it's not out of obligation, but you're here because you love the Lord. Love is an attribute of God. And because it is an attribute of God, it should be something that should be an attribute in your life as well. So, the value of love. Let's talk about number two, the value of truth. Verses four through seven. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity uh, envieth not itself. Uh, uh, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Excuse me, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but it rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. God places a premium on truth. 235 times you will find the word truth in the Bible. 235 times God refers to truth. So it is a premium in God's thinking. It is something that is important to God. Look at verse 6. I want to I kind of want to focus in on verse 6 because there's a there's an important thing here that we often uh, we often rem- uh, we often miss. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in truth. Rejoice in the truth. The idea here is to rejoice in truth, not with truth. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, wow, that just sounds like double talk. But I want you to think about it. There's a difference. See, when we rejoice with truth, we could stand over here and we say, ha, you got what you deserved. But when we rejoice in truth, we can, in love, say, wow, I sure hope this will benefit this person. You see the difference? Those of us that are people of truth can oftentimes be critical and sometimes even hateful, can we not? I I don't know about you, but I know people like that. On the flip side, those of us that live in truth can sometimes be too easy and overlook wrongdoing, can we not? I know people that live there too. But when we bring balance into the equation and you have love and truth, we can have 
an incredible balance in our lives. Truth is an attribute of God, so it should be an attribute in our lives as well. So we've talked about <clears throat> the value of love, the value of truth. So let, let's, let's spend the rest of our time this morning talking about the value of balance. How do, how do we get there? How do we, how do we attain balance? It is the ability of love and truth. There are many scriptures in uh, uh, portions of scripture that 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 have underscored uh, principle of balance. I want to give you two of them this morning because I, I, I think I think it'll be a help to you. Uh, the first one is the principle of uh, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping, you, you, uh, we, we are all familiar with it. You reap what you sow, right? Uh, in Galatians <clears throat> chapter six, verse seven through ten, it says, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to selfishness shall of selfishness reap corruption." But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. Now I want to I share with you four principles that go along with <clears throat> uh, sowing and reaping. Four principles. The first one is the, princi the, the, the principle applies to everyone, Christian and non-Christian. Okay, there is no discrimination here uh, given in Scripture, so that means that it applies to both believers and non-believers. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respecter of persons with God. God does not have any more respect for anybody God is not a respecter of persons. The, the principle of reaping and sowing, or sowing and reaping, excuse me, I got that backwards, applies to all men. The second principle is this, we reap what we sow. And <clears throat> this is really, really simple. You plant corn, guess what you get? Right, Mike? Mike is our gardener, okay? He's, he's our our vegetable grower person. Uh, you should see you should see the garden this guy puts out every year. It is incredible what he what he produces. But if you plant corn, what are you going to expect to get? Corn, exactly. And the reality is this: in our lives, it's really really simple. What we what we sow in our lives is what we are going to reap. 
If we sow hatred, guess what we're going to get? We're going to get hatred. If we sow love, we're going to get love. If we sow truth. So what do, what do we need to do? If, if we are balanced in our lives and we're sowing balance in our lives, then that's what we're going to get. Principle number three, we reap more than we sow. A single seed can produce a bazillion pounds of tomatoes. Right, Mike? (laughs) Every year, Mike plants, I think one year you planted what, like seven or eight tomato plants? I mean, he was given the entire town of Fernley tomatoes. I mean, it was like Walmart was about to shoot him because nobody was buying tomatoes because Mike's giving them away. Why? One seed produces more. The same principles is, is, can be applied in our lives. <clears throat> Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they, have, uh, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath uh, no stalk, and the bud shall yield no meal. If so, be it, uh, be it yield uh, the stranger shall follow it up. In other words, <clears throat> they will reap the wind, or, or they sowed the wind, but they reap the whirlwind. What, what is the principle that Hosea was trying to teach the children of Israel? Hey, you, 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 you sow something, you're going to get it back tenfold. And, and that, that principle is still true in our lives today. How we treat people is exactly how we're going to be treated, but worse or better, depending on how you live your life. Number four, the fourth principle, we reap later than we sow. And this is, this is part of the problem for people because they think they're getting away with something. I read this statement uh, and I I liked it, so I want to read it to you. Some are deceived because their uh, present seed does not appear to be producing an immediate crop. So they continue down their course, mistakenly believing that there will be, uh, that there will never be a harvest. Or in other words, that they think they're going to get away with it. But what does the Bible also say? Behold, your sins will what? Find you out. Your life, your life is what you make it. The second one I want to talk about is the truth of good works versus bad works. Now, as I as I started thinking about this, well, let, let me let me read the verse and then we'll we'll I'll, I'll talk about it. Second <clears throat> uh, Corinthians chapter five, and verses nine and ten it says, "Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, uh, we may be uh, acceptable excuse me accepted of Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." that every one may receive the thing done in his body according to that which he hath done, 
whether it be good or bad. Now, I want to stop here and I want to talk about this for a minute because what is the Apostle Paul talking about here? He is talking about doing doing works, either good works or bad works, right? I mean, it's, it's obvious that's what he's talking about. Is Paul talking about God, after a person dies, God sitting there with the scales and all your good works go on one scale and all your bad works go on the other side of the scale and and if the good works outweigh the bad works, okay, you can go into heaven. Is that what Paul's talking about? No, that is not what Paul's talking about. Unfortunately, many people live their lives exactly like that. Thinking that God is going to have this big scale and, and weigh out the good works and the bad works, but that is not what Paul's talking about. Who is Paul writing to in, in, in this passage in 2 Corinthians? He's, he's writing to believers, people who have already put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's writing to people like you and me. See, Paul's, Paul's greatest desire, it, Paul, let me, let me rephrase this. I believe Paul's greatest personal desire was that someday when he stood before the Lord, the Lord would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I believe that that was Paul's personal desire i think that I, I personally believe that that is one of the things that drove paul to do all the things that he did he wanted he wanted god to say those words to him well done thou good and faithful servant see paul also write, wrote in first corinthians chapter 3 uh, verses 11 to 15, he says, For our foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus, or, or Jesus Christ. I got that backwards. I'm sorry. Uh, now, if any man build up the foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, uh, because it shall be uh, revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work <clears throat> of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built, thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned up, he shall suffer loss. But he, he himself shall be saved, yet also as by fire. The multiple times in this passage that I just read, the word the word work is is mentioned. But we see it here in verse verse 15. The word work is mentioned. That word, the word is singular, not plural. Think about that for a second. It, the, the, word, the word work is singular, not plural. So what is Paul referring to there? Is he referring to uh, well, I'll just tell you, he, it's, it's not referring to your occupation, okay? Okay? <laughs> it's not what he's referring to. He's referring to your life. 
singular, your life. Your work will be put to the test, so to speak. He gives us six possible rewards. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. So there's six possible rewards available to us. But there's only two categories. Those that are perishable and those that are non-perishable. And the long and the short of it is this. What is the difference between the perishable and the non-perishable? I believe the answer is really, really simple. And that is what motivated you to do what you did. Did you do what you did because of obligation or because of love? See, oftentimes we, we get so consumed with our need for attention. And we do things to to promote ourselves instead of promoting Jesus Christ. The perishable are the things that I do for myself so that others can say, oh, hey, look at look at look at Pastor Rick. See, look what he did. The non-perishable are the things that I did with the right heart attitude. the things that I did with balance in my life. Those are the things that are non-perishable. Every one of us leans to love or to truth. That It's just, it's just how we, we're wired. We all lean that one way or the other. But God wants us to live in the middle. God wants us to to understand truth and adopt truth into our lives. He wants us to understand love and bring love into our lives and to live a life of, of love and truth. And if you go throughout the, the, the entire Bible, everyone that we would put in the category of being a godly person, whether it's a a woman or a man, it doesn't matter. Every person that we would put in that category learned how to balance love and truth in their lives. Now, did any of them ever mess up? Absolutely. Some of, the, some of the greatest characters in, in Scripture had problems. Guess what? Now, I know this is going to be a shock to you, <clears throat> but you got problems too. Some of you got a lot of problems. No, <laughs> no we, we all have problems, do we not? And, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement here. I, I say this periodically on purpose. The reality is this. If I haven't let you down, just hold on. Because I'm human. And I'm going to let you down sooner or later. We've all, we, we're, we're all guilty of it, are we not? 
But when we learn to balance love and truth, it sure does make life a whole lot better. C.S. Lewis wrote this, on the, whole, on the whole, God's love for us is much safer subject than to think about than our love for him. I want to I want to reread this because it, it I, I read it and I, I I had to read it like three or four times for it to really sink in. On a whole, God's love for us is much safer subject to think about than our love for Him. And the reality of that is unfortunately true. His love for us is perfect. Our love for him is anything but. Our love for each other can be a struggle at best sometimes, can it not? So this morning as we bring this to an end, let me ask you, where where do you live your life? Do you do you do you live your life over here in truth? Or, or excuse me, in love, where uh, everything's a gray area, and and you you know you you tend to just oh just you know let let it go. Nobody's gonna have it. You know. Or do you live over here in truth, where everything's black and white, and 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 you wanna you wanna just choke people down. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can do that in love. But see, where does, where does God want us to live? God want, wants us to live right here in the middle. And the reality is, we're all works in progress, are we not? We're still here. We're, we're all still here. What has God spoke to your heart about this morning? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your